0: Chapter 4 Lead Great Discussions Imagine you've traveled across the world to pick the brain of a guru that lives on a mountaintop in the Far East. It's critical that you remember as much as you can because the wisdom you receive directly affects your life and well being. Plus, you just hiked up a mountain taller than anything you've ever seen in your life, so you want this trip to be worth it. But this isn't a normal chat. Every time you hear something that you want to remember, you have to pick up a bowling ball. Wow, that's some groundbreaking advice. Pick up a bowling ball. I never thought about it like that. I need to remember that. Pick up a bowling ball. How do you not have your own talk show? You are both a gentleman and a scholar. Pick up a bowling ball. The first bowling ball doesn't give you too much trouble. It's noticeable, but it's definitely manageable. You might even change hands every couple minutes so you don't get too tired. But then comes the second bowling ball. This life guru has given you a second piece of game-changing advice, and you definitely want to remember it. So what do you do? You don't want to let go of the first bowling ball. That, too, remember, was truly groundbreaking advice. So you do your best to manage both. Then you try to pick up a third bowling ball. Maybe you even try to pick it up using the two balls you're already carrying. You're resourceful, after all, and you don't want to forget anything. What happens when you go to pick up that fourth bowling ball? How many balls do you drop? All of them. As much as you want to remember every little piece of wisdom uttered by this guru with decades of experience, you just couldn't hold all of them at once. It's the same way in your small group discussions. At least, that's how it feels when you are on the receiving end of a poorly constructed Bible discussion. It's easy to stuff everything you're learning into a single Bible discussion, but that doesn't mean you should. If it feels like work to follow along, to try and remember what you're talking about, people won't remember a thing you say. Just like the bowling balls, when we ask people to implement too many lessons at once, they'll have no choice but to drop all of them. The Problem with Remembering Human beings are hardwired for survival. Over thousands of years, we've developed quite a sophisticated sense of danger and risk avoidance. Our ancient ancestors used this skill to recognize life or death situations and filter out all the information that didn't matter. When a saber-toothed tiger is lurking around the corner, the color of the grass in this particular field isn't important now, is it? Even though we aren't constantly looking for predators today, our brains are still processing information in a very similar way. If not, we'd be overwhelmed by the sheer magnitude of all the things around us. You'd feel like a five-year-old wandering the aisles of a Toys R Us at all times. If you're reading this book and don't know what a Toys R Us is, then I'm sorry. It truly was a magical place. Why is this important for leading a small group? If you want people in your small group to remember and apply your lessons, you have to make them easy to remember. I've lost count of the number of times I've sat through a small group discussion where the person just rattled off the laundry list of things he'd been wanting to talk about for the last four months. That's great and all. I'm sure there was some good information in there. I just don't remember any of it. In fact, as soon as I left, my brain had moved on to the next important thing on the horizon. It wasn't because I didn't want to remember. They just made it so incredibly difficult to follow along that I gave up along the way. If you're reading this and are thinking to yourself, if you're saying I have to be some master communicator in order to lead a thriving small group, then I don't have a chance. If you're thinking that, don't worry. As much as it is a skill to lead engaging discussions and lessons, it's also a formula. There is a systematic way to put together your lessons that will keep people engaged, help them remember the material, and apply it in their lives. And that's not even the best part. The best part is that once you understand how to use this formula, it'll save you literally hours of time. The magic of using a formula. A common tool used in the engineering world is something called a desk guide. It's typically a document or PowerPoint that captures an entire process from beginning to end so that anyone can do it. Desk guides are incredibly useful Because not only does it make it easy to teach someone how to do something, it also eliminates the learning curve. A new person doesn't have to spend hours figuring everything out on their own. They can follow the path laid out by the desk guide and become an expert in no time at all. When you have a formula, a template, for putting your lessons and discussions together, it's like having a desk guide for your small group. How long did it take to put together your last lesson? Scratch that. How many hours did you spend thinking about what you wanted to say, how you wanted to say it, the questions you wanted to ask, only to change it all after you decided to go in a different direction? Following a proven formula will literally save you hours of prep time every week, hours you don't have to spare in the first place. When you use the formula I'm going to lay out for you in this chapter, people will love participating in your discussions. They're going to contribute in a meaningful way. They'll remember the points that you want to drive home and you won't hear crickets in the audience whenever you ask a question. Riding lessons from scratch is so last year. Time to change things up. Say one thing really well. When you lead a discussion, you are acting as a guide for your group. You're taking them through the woods, over the hills, towards whatever destination you're trying to lead them. This destination is your big take away? What do you want them to walk away remembering? What do you want the members of your small group to take with them? Here's the deal. You have to choose just one thing, one point, one emphasis, one important piece of information. That's it. But what if I have a really great three-point lesson? Great. Do a three-week series and do one point per lesson. But I feel like I have so much to say. I can't just choose one thing. Why not? What's more important, saying what you want or helping the people in your group grow closer to God? This may seem harsh and a bit extreme, but think back on the story we started this chapter with. Every new piece of information you give to your group feels like you're handing them a bowling ball. It takes effort, energy, and concentration to lock away that golden nugget of wisdom into a part of their brain they can access later on. The more bowling balls you try to give them, the more effort you are asking them to make. The more effort they have to use to remember what you're saying, the less likely they are to remember anything at all. Trust me when I say this, it's better to say one thing really well than to say several things and have no one remember them. Before you even start working on your lesson, you must decide what your one point will be. What is the takeaway you want to leave with them? If there's only one point you can drive home, what is it? This will act as your North Star as you navigate through the rest of the discussion formula. Everything must serve the one thing. If it doesn't, then it must go. The icebreaker. After you've decided what your one thing is going to be, you want to put together an icebreaker. Think about an icebreaker like an opening act at a concert. There's typically a headliner, a band that can attract lots of raving fans, and then several other bands that play before them. Those opening acts get the audience excited and energized for when the popular band comes on to perform. This is what your icebreaker does. It sets the stage for the main portion of your lesson. The reason that an icebreaker is important for your discussion is that it gets people in the right frame of mind to participate. Namely, that they're willing to open their mouths and contribute to the conversation. Some people are naturally inclined to participate. You don't have to put in any extra effort to persuade them to offer their two cents, and you know who those people are. On the other hand, there is a subset within your group that tends to stay quiet and on the sidelines. This may be because they're introverted and find groups overwhelming or exhausting. It may be because they had a rough week and just don't feel like participating today. They have a mental block that is making it difficult to speak up and participate. The icebreaker is what you will use to get them to come out of their shell. Your small group is a safe place to express your thoughts, but sometimes people just need to get over the hump and start talking. Icebreakers need to be fun. Don't come right out of the gate asking people to share their deepest, darkest secrets. That'll just make it worse. Here are a few ideas to get you started. Play a game. Games like rock, paper, scissors are good because they require people to interact with each other. After all, how hard is it to say one word? See why it can be useful to help your group's introverts? If you decide on a game, make sure that it's going to bring people closer together. Games that tend to become super competitive might backfire on you since only a few people will end up enjoying the experience. You could tell a funny story. Recently, I was leading a Bible discussion where my one thing was how to balance grace and righteousness. What I asked people to do was share a crazy story that they had read in the Bible and thought, I can't believe that this is in here. I can't believe that this story exists in the Bible. Frame the question in such a way that it draws people out to talk about their own life and experiences. People love talking about themselves. If you give them an opportunity to do it, they will take advantage of it answer an easy question. This one is more deliberate than the other two icebreakers because you're requiring participation. Because of that, you want to make it as easy as possible for people to supply an answer. Questions like, where was your last vacation? What is your favorite movie and why? And what's something a lot of people don't know about you are favorites of mine? A quick side note on icebreakers. Your icebreaker doesn't have to be directly related to your lesson. The goal is just to get people to loosen up and get into the right mindset. If you can incorporate your icebreaker into your lesson, that's great. It's just not required. The meat. So you've done your icebreaker, and you've gotten everybody in the right frame of mind to participate. Now you jump into the next section, the meat. The meat is the heart of your discussion. This is where you dig into the main content of your discussion. It's very tempting to stuff your discussion with all sorts of insights, things you thought about during the week, ideas that you think will be helpful. But remember those bowling balls? You want the meat of your discussion to be lean. Think chicken, not beef. Don't add in a lot of extra fluff. Just include what will help you communicate your one thing. It is in the meat that you will choose a scripture to use as the focal point of your discussion. It is crucial that you tie the Bible into any discussion that you do. Why? The goal is for people to grow closer to God, not closer to you. Christianity is about serving God and learning about God's word, not following you. But how do you find the perfect passage for your small group discussion? Ask yourself the following questions and see if a verse or passage presents itself. Is there a story that illustrates my one thing? Did anyone in the Bible learn the same lesson I'm trying to teach? Did Jesus say something about this? Is there a cautionary tale I can use as a counterexample? As you think about how to tie the Bible into your discussion, you'll want to plant your stake in a single passage or story. If you have two equally great options, choose one and roll with it. The point of the discussion is to communicate the one thing, remember? Using more than one passage feels like an extra bowling ball to the people listening, since now you're asking them to remember two stories instead of one. Is it the end of the world if you use more than one passage? No, it's just not ideal. Once you identify the passage you are going to use, it's time to take your group on a journey. You are the tour guide, navigating them through the passage towards the one thing you want them to take away from the discussion but your goal is not just to get them to your destination. In order for the people in your group to actually remember what you talk about, they have to feel like they found it themselves. They have to be the ones that discover the destination. Think about it like this. You're helping your grandmother bake a cake for the Christmas meal. You've never baked this particular cake, so you don't have any previous knowledge or experience that would give you a leg up. You're a complete newbie. There's two ways you can go about doing this. Option A is to have your grandmother tell you what to do one step at a time. Add the flour, check, beat the eggs, check, add the vanilla, check. For option B, you're still assembling all of the ingredients, but you're also asking her questions along the way. How much flour did you add? How many eggs are you beating? Why are you using vanilla? In both scenarios, you are successful in making your Christmas cake. Here's the difference. If you needed to bake that exact same cake again next Christmas without your grandmother's help, which strategy would be more beneficial? It's option B. When you arrive at the end destination, you will not only have the cake, but you'll remember how to bake that same cake over and over again in the future. The reason why you want the members of your small group to discover the end goal of your lesson instead of you just coming out and telling them is that they'll remember it better This is why you ask questions. Questions make people think. Even if they don't raise their hand and answer any questions during the discussion, each person is going through the same mental exercise to determine what their answer would be. As you're tracing your steps and going from one point to the next, formulate questions along the way that will guide people along the right train of thought. Make sure each question is open ended and do your best to avoid one word answers. Instead, Word your questions in such a way that stimulates discussion. Here are some examples of bad questions. Is it good or bad to read your Bible? Should we be sharing our faith with our neighbors? Is the main character in this story doing the right thing or the wrong thing? The answer for each of these questions is one word. Good, yes, and depends on the story. One word answers kill the momentum of the discussion because there's nowhere to go from there. You set up the question by reading the passage, ask the question, get a one-word response from a single person, and then you get that awkward silence where everyone is just staring at each other. Here are those same questions, but framed in such a way that you cannot answer with just one word. Why is reading your Bible important? What keeps you from sharing your faith with your neighbors? Why is the main character in this story making a mistake? Notice that just by changing some words around, these questions now create discussion. As you come up with your questions, ask yourself, can I answer this with just one word? If you can, chances are someone in your group will as well. Tweak the question until you get it just right. Before we move on, here's a quick hack for asking good questions. Ask why. Why is one of the most powerful discussion tools at your disposal. Asking why forces people to explain their thoughts and how they formulated their answer. In fact, if you just added why at the end of each of the poorly worded questions above, you'd have good discussion questions. Call to action. After you've worked your way through the Bible passage and led everyone down the path towards the end goal, it's time to put a bow on it. By this time, they'll have a pretty solid guess as to where you're heading. But at the very end... You want to confirm their suspicions. Tell them exactly what you want them to walk away with. This is your call to action. But Travis, didn't you just say not to tell them the answer? Yes. But that's because the meat portion of your discussion is not the appropriate place for it. This is. In your call to action, you are drawing their attention to the application of whatever it is you just studied out together. What do you want them to do? How should they apply the one thing in their lives tomorrow? What is the next step for them to incorporate the discussion into their relationship with God? Lay it out for them. You've already laid the foundation by asking the right questions and bringing them on a journey with you. The call to action is when you announce that they've arrived at the destination and confirm that they were on the right track. Take the next step. Use and abuse this template. Test it out by using it just as you see here, and then modify it to fit your own style. Once you start to get the hang of it, your lessons will begin to feel like they are writing themselves. One thing will lead to the next, and before you know it, your entire discussion will be done. Imagine how you'll feel when you drive up to your small group and you know that you've got a great discussion planned. Everyone is excited to be there, they're participating in the discussion, and they're actually putting into practice the principles you talk about on a weekly basis. Not only that, but because you have a killer lesson template, it takes you less than an hour to craft an engaging and impactful discussion. It truly is an amazing thing to be able to see people transformed by God's Word, and now you have the tools to help them every week without pulling your hair out. I'd call that a win, wouldn't you? You can download the Bible Discussion Template at unlockyourgifts.org forward slash sgls-handouts.